Not worth the time with Wade Taylor. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Not Worth the Time. It's Wade. We're here. We're doing the cast. We're back at it again. That's right. We're back after another two weeks here to talk to you about random shit that's going on with my life and random things that I found online. You downloaded it. You're listening to it. Here we go. We're into it. Man, my family came to visit me this weekend. It's been a lot of fun, but I learned something about myself. I'm a terrible host, guys. Terrible host. I I just I assume most people when they go places, I guess that like you just like you kind of got some ideas and stuff like that. And when you show up to a place, like hey, this would be a pl- thing I want to check out and do, and it's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I don't know because that's just kind of what I think. I don't want to rely on other people, but then. Like, my family showed up, and it's not like they expected me to plan the whole thing, but it would have been nice if I came with some ideas. And boy, howdy, was I not prepared for that. I was like, uh, scramble, we gotta go. Start looking up, like, at the chambers of commerce, like, ideas of what to do around the town, which is all just stuff, like, you know, people have, like, paid for advertising for. Just like, uh, I guess this will be a good thing to go do. But, you know, I did okay. We, we found a couple cool things, and, you know, I took it as a, like, some touristy things, like which are more like the the shopping malls. I feel like those are always like the traps for tourists for sure. Which I always feel bad about taking people to, because it's just like, ooh, come spend money here. But it's also, you know, sometimes it's cool. And we like, and Salt Lake has this like dope outdoor malls downtown. They go check out. Go, they they're fun. So I like going to check that out. Coolest thing though, dude. Took everybody. Or shouldn't say everybody it was me and my mom went to a natural history museum. History. How did I not say history right? Uh, been saying history forever. Couldn't say it right there. Had to mess it up on the podcast. There we go. N- no redos either. You keep that shit going. You keep the mistakes in. You keep it real. Keep it real with your mistakes. It's right, people. You always own up to your mistakes. You just over-explain the fact that you messed up, and people will be like, oh, at least he's humble. He recognizes when he screwed up, and then people forget about that mistake. Right now, you're forgetting about that. I even said history wrong, and that's why this whole thing happened, and maybe I'm just rambling on to stretch for time. Who knows? It doesn't matter, but we went to the Natural History Museum. Got it on take two. Count it. Record books. Let's go. So we go to the Natural History Museum. And, dude, it was cool as shit. I always forget that, like, Utah is, like, the place where they found a lot of dinosaurs, like, the southern part of the state. So they found a shit ton of dinosaurs here. And they had this, like, crazy exhibit with all, like, these dinosaur bones and fossils and stuff. It was wild. The craziest thing I saw, though, there are two specific fossils that, like, really were, like, damn, that's, uh, that's, that's not okay. That shouldn't exist. First one was this, like, what I can only imagine. Because every, this is the other thing. Hey, hey, uh, history museums and, like, people who uh, find dinosaurs, you know, archaeologists and, uh, or paleontologists. I think they're one and the same. Who knows? Uh, archaeologists finds people stuff. I think paleontologists just finds uh, animals. Either way, all you guys, when it comes to finding 
ancient animals or dead fossils and we find new species of animal we didn't know about, stop using Latin. You're making everybody uncomfortable trying to read words. You know how many people just accidentally swear as they try to read Latin words of animals? There's just so much like, uh, she fuck us, saw borrow us. <laughs> like it's, the, it's like there's so much accidental cursing. I think most kids hear their first swear words when their parents have nothing but good intentions in taking their kids to the Natural History Museum just being like, oh, it's going to be a great day where they're going to learn about dinosaurs and see these bones. And we even have the little area for them to act like they're paleontologists sweeping away at the bones. And, you know, we're going to get them in that nice the plushy career of finding dinosaur bones because it definitely pays well. You definitely don't have to go get grants from colleges and shit and beg for money to go do that. Doesn't matter. We're going to teach them about this cool shit. Uh, hey mom, what's the name of this? The shut the fuck Zosaurus. Stop using Latin terms to describe these ancient animals, okay? So I'm just gonna do my dumbed down version of what I saw, okay? Okay, okay. What I saw, it was a Latin term, or <laughs> Latin. It was a Latin term for it. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, um. <laughs> Have I been saying Latin this whole time? What is it? it uh, I, I think I just literally been fucking up this whole podcast already. Uh, not uh, Latin. Uh, what is it? What is the dead language uh, that we name everything is? Uh, dead language used. <laughs> I have to look this up now, right now because I'm pretty sure. I don't know what I mean. I literally said it. I'm pretty sure. Uh, to name animals. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said it already, and now I already forgot in this podcast. Welcome to this podcast. Uh, Latin. It is Latin. Why am I, man, uh, whatever. Dude, my brain. I'm sorry, guys. This is what it is. This is what you happens when you record a podcast at 8.30 at night. You don't even know what words you were using. Anyway, in Latin, it says some crazy thing on this thing. But, all I can say is it was a giant, too much buildup for this not big of a payoff. It was a giant crocodile. Not even crocodile. Uh, alligator. Sorry. Alligator. Didn't have a pointy nose. Had a round nose. That's how you tell the difference between a crocodile and an alligator. A lot of you are probably like, we already knew that. Well, I'm reminded you, now you know. And when you see one in the wild, at least you can be like, well, at least I know the species of thing that's about to kill me in the middle of this river. Because that's the only time that you information comes in handy. We're always taught, like, you should tell you able to tell the difference between a crocodile and an alligator. The only time you're going to need to know that is when it's about to kill you. Um, and then you'll be like, damn, at least I know the species of this as it's chomping your throat. <laughs> but it was a giant alligator. And I mean, dude, it its skull was the size of my fucking coffee table, dude. It was gigantic. It Like... It, you know how there are people who adamantly believe that there are people who were living among the dinosaurs back in the day when they were roaming the earth? If they did, I feel extremely sorry for those people. Holy shit. Everything in there is terrifying and gigantic. Like, there was no survival. Like, if we have two people who survived the Jurassic Age, then, like, if, there, if we ever do prove that man was around or some man-like species was around back then... Dude, kudos to fucking them, because not only that, they survived a goddamn, like, asteroid or something hitting them, and, like, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Like, if that gator was terrifying, 
It's not cool. They weren't fun. The other freaky thing that I saw there was the uh, the giant sloth, which, like, you know, you think of sloths, they're tiny and small. This sloth was the the size of, like, bigger than, like, the biggest dude you know. You It was gigantic, and his teeth were fucking weird. He had a giant claws. Like, uh, that giant sloth couldn't have just ate the leaves that sloths are eating nowadays, right? Like, like that thing, thing looked like it straight up eight babies you know i'm calling it right now i'm no paleontologist but giant sloths ate babies in the prehistoric they just bit into eggs and ate babies that's that's what i learned at the natural history museum this past week so i did take them there and that was good and then i got to you know i showed them the normal crazy things that living in a big city has to offer as well uh, one of my favorite things I got to see this week, oh, guys, it, it warmed my heart because this man was determined, right? Now, I'm going to just assume here that a lot of you listening have been to a farmer's market, right? Farmer's market. You know, a lot of people make their own homemade things and they try to sell them. You got to get, got to pay to get a booth. It's a big deal if you get a booth down there. If you get a booth at the farmer's market, you're doing really well. Your business is going to thrive as soon as you get the booth at the farmer's market. Every, I think everybody at one point has been dragged to a farmer's market. Uh, man or woman, somebody's taking you there. And you know what it's like, right? Now, and there's always one, like, and there's one in Omaha where I used to go to, where there was a group of people there, or, like, I, mean, I think it was just a f- small family or something, but they would make enchiladas, right? Make homemade enchiladas, and they, like, pre-wrapped them and packaged them so you could put them in your freezer, and, like, it was a great deal, and they make great food. It was awesome, right? Now, that's awesome. Now, what I saw was a man walking through a parking lot with the same kind of packaging I would have seen at this farmer's market that... I used to go to. Now, this is in the middle of the week in a Walmart parking lot. And he doesn't have a booth set up. He didn't get the farmer's market booth. He didn't go through the hoops and shit like that. He doesn't believe in bureaucracy. He's going to sell these fucking enchiladas and these bags, and he's going to sell them and get that money. And not only that, he's selling them in a Walmart parking lot. Just wandering around, just kind of walking. He just I got out of my car and I see this gentleman hold up a bag and go, "Enchiladas." And I was like, "Oh, no, thank you." And he's like, "Okay, thank you." And he kept moving, right? But I was just like, "Man, the the confidence." This is the thing I've been into lately is like the fact that the people who have like just the best confidence. This dude had more confidence than I will ever have in anything. He was in a Walmart parking lot selling enchiladas and just walking around the bag and trying to sell people enchiladas. Now, that is some belief in your product, people. You re- He's in a Walmart parking lot. All the ingredients to make your own enchiladas are just along the way. You have to walk 50 feet. And you're in a store that literally has everything he probably used to make those enchiladas. But he knows. He knows. He has a superior product than what you could make. And he's going to sell it. And he's going to show everybody that he could take on the big bad Walmarts of the world. That's what he's fighting for the little guy. He's Mr. Small Business. 
He's gonna fuck Walmart's ass in its own parking lot and just sell people enchiladas. Oh, you were thinking about having enchiladas tonight? How would you like to just have fresh enchiladas in a glad bag right here, ma'am? Oh, that would be great. Then I don't have to cook. Oh, my God. And it's a great deal. And I can feed, like, 16 people because your one thing has, like, 14 of these fucking things in there. Oh, my God. Like, that is sheer brilliance and power and belief in that thing, man, he's gonna he's gonna change the game. He's gonna change the economy. He's starting his own business. He's doing. What have you done today? Now, a lot of you thought I was gonna put poke fun at this guy, right? You know, and make fun of him because he's selling enchiladas. No, that's a goddamn entrepreneur, and that's what patriotism's about, right there. Just trying to stimulate the economy. And sure, he's trying to just use cash. And I respect that even more. Stay off the grid, pal. Don't trust the money with the bank. Don't get no loan to sell your enchiladas. You stay pure. Pure. Stimulate the economy. This actually leads us into the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about for this week's episode. I found an article. Oh, my God. This right up, right up the alley here. It's peeing at night could cost the United States economy billions. That's right. You goddamn people who make fun of people wetting their bed. Yeah, turns out you getting up and pissing in the middle of the night is actually causing more of a goddamn problem than me ooh, ruining a mattress. Yeah, you know what? Peeing your bed stimulates the economy. You heard it here right now. You piss your bed, and guess what happens? You ruin sheets, and then what? Do you, you either wash them, or you throw them away, which you're still going to use. There's two different products. You're still stimulating the economy because you got to buy soap and got to pay your water bill in order to wash those sheets. So you're stimulating the economy that way. Or you throw the sheets out and you got to go buy more sheets, stimulating the economy that way. That's the right. The new word of this podcast is stimulate. You know, we have, we've had two words so far that are really big on this podcast is stimulate in Latin, three. Well, you know, now, now we're going with three. We got history, stimulate, and Latin. Those are the three big takeaways for today's podcast. <laughs> yeah, so peeing the bed's cool, man. You piss your bed and stimulate the economy. But you guys who get up at night and go pee in the middle of the night, you're fucking up America's economy. That's right. You're making us weaker in the global markets. Now how, might you ask? Well... Well, well, yeah, let's find out here. Uh, let me go down here. Uh, the quote from the guy who was doing the research. When we started this research, I thought we would probably wouldn't find any effect on the workplace productivity. Uh, to start the research, estimated how many people wake up twice per night to uh, on a pee based on uh. 2P based on a survey done in the UK and Asia, and then how much those disruptions would impact the way people felt the next day. About 12% of the U.S. population, about 27.5 million adults, wake up twice per night to pee, they estimate. Uh, at least two nightly interruptions was uh, cor uh, corralled. Uh, with workplace productivity the next day. Oh, correlated with workplace uh, productivity the next day. I couldn't tell the word correlated. This is why you shouldn't have me read things to you. Uh, according to the results, overall, peeing at night uh, accounts for 
3% loss of workplace productivity next day, the research suggested. Uh, spread over the entire United States workforce, that 3% per person adds up to a billion adds up to billions in lost profit that's right you guys aren't efficient enough at your jobs when you get up to pee yeah because you're losing sleep and you know what yeah is that does that midnight piss just blissful yeah yeah you tell you, you get up you go down and you pull your britches down and you sit on that toilet and you start letting it fly and just peeing you're like, yeah, this feels good. Well, because of your pleasure and wanting to relieve your urinary tracts, you're now costing your company hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. You're a goddamn monster. What kind of employee could you be? You need to fucking stop pissing. You know what? You, like I said, you need to pee your bed, people. That's what this new podcast is. Pee your bed. Okay? Because you're going to save your company money. You're going to ha- then stimulate the economy because you're going to have to buy sheets or buy soap to wash those sheets. It's a win-win for everybody. USA. USA. Okay. Now let's read on. The outstanding question is whether peeing does not take as high of a toll as the study suggests. It does. Uh, previous work has pointed out the effects of sleep loss on judgment and anxiety. But whether the minutes it takes uh, to walk to the bathroom... Uh, qualifies as a big enough disruption remains to be seen. Still, it's a problem many Americans can identify with, the research says. The more and more I got into the research, I realized that I had friends and colleagues who said, how interesting, I had have the same problem. More, The more I learned about the uh, this condition, I thought this could be a problem. Mm, yes. So there is no, it's one of these things where we're drawing lines. And maybe I jumped to the conclusion, but I still say, you know what, guys, for this year, 2020, let's make it pee your bed. That's right. 2020 is pee your bed. You know, we're going to not get up and go to the bathroom anymore because you're going to cost your, let's just see if you don't get a promotion because you stop getting up in the middle of the night to pee and you just pissed your pants. I guarantee you, pissing your pants will get you a promotion. <laughs> not worth the time does not guarantee you a promotion if you piss your pants you should not piss your pants you should actually go clean yourself up and stop being gross um but yeah 2020 start peeing your pants it's probably going to lead to you being a promotion because you're going to sleep better you're going to sleep through that or whatever just you know what another way you can stimulate the economy buy adult diapers wet them then you don't have to worry about ruining sheets even you just and then they just take them off in the morning there's no getting up and peeing. guys there's so many different ways we could do this you can do it you don't have to catheters we could go catheter you could go real extreme with it and just start peeing that then you don't have to get up and do that there's many ways we can make sure guys because it's all about helping corporate america out we know this help out corporate america by not pissing your pants and in your toilet get sleep so you can come in and drone through your daily work thanks for listening to this while you're at work guys uh i hope this doesn't hurt you as bad as it's hurting me right now (laughs) let's move on shall we oh yeah because you know diet before bed's always important right yeah, but everybody's different, and uh, everybody's been thinking about this kind of stuff for years, right? Always going through it. But um, I guess I didn't. I never really put this together. I, I mean, I guess I definitely heard this, but I never. This article is called "How Steak Became Manly 
and salads became feminine. Now, I never really thought of salads as being feminine. I definitely remember, like, the whole, like, men eat steak thing and all that kind of stuff. And it was, like, portrayed in cartoons and stuff. But I don't ever remember, like, there being, like, a thing that, like, yeah, like, it's feminine to eat salad. So this, like, caught my eye right away because I was like, all right, I got to know what's going on here. Uh, when it was decided that women prefer some types of food, yogurt with fruit, salad with white wine, while men uh, supposedly graduated towards chili, steak, and bacon. Uh, when was it? That's a question. I didn't read that like a question, apparently. Uh, I could do a take two. Don't want to, though. Um, in, okay, this is a, per a synopsis of a person's book, apparently. So if you want to read their book, it's in my new book, America's Crisis, How to Get how it got this way i show how the idea that women don't want red meat and prefer salads and sweets didn't just spring up spontaneously oh well i mean everybody likes sweets i mean i like sweets i don't know uh i'm sure there's definitely some kind of correlation there i did i literally don't know the like the salad thing i guess i never realized that Maybe that's a thing pushed on people that I've just never paid attention to. Let's find out. Um, even though women's restaurant spaces set apart for ladies to dine unaccompanied by men were commonplace, they, they nonetheless serve the same dishes as men's dining rooms. Uh, oral, calf's head. Calf's head? What? They just usually just serve ca like cow's heads on a plate? Damn. That's crazy. It's not that crazy, but imagine doing that nowadays. Could you imagine just walking into a restaurant and you just see some people like picking at a fucking cow's head and just like, oh, let me get the cheek here over here. <laughs> like that'd be wild. Peta would be everywhere around that place. I mean, whoo! And then uh, turtles and roast meat. Okay, beginning in the 1870s shifted the social norm, like the the entry of women into the workplace uh, gives women more opportunities to dine out with or dine without men and in the company of female friends and, or co-workers. Uh, as more women spend time outside the home, however, they were still expected to congregate in gender-specific places. Huh. Okay. Let's, let's see what else we got. During that period, the notion of some foods were more appropriate for women to start to emerge. Magazines, newspapers, uh, advice columns identified fish, white meat, and white meat with minimal sauce, as well as new products like packaged cottage cheese as female foods. And, of course, there were desserts, sweets, uh, which women supposedly couldn't resist. Oh, okay, I get what's going on here. This is all about, like, marketing. This is how they, the, the whole marketing scheme of how they would, like, try to advertise people. It's like when they used to advertise cigarettes, like, this will make Janet thin. She's thin because she smokes Camel Smalls and all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. All right, okay, I'm, I'm kind of getting where you're going. I guess I've never, don't remember. It's so so strange like the yogurt commercials i kind of can see a little bit especially nowadays because i know like anytime i've ever seen a yogurt commercial it's always like a woman eating it or like nowadays i i definitely know like i remember cam newton the football player like he was he started like 
repping a yogurt company, right? But it was like they kind of like made it like masculine colors, if you will, where it was like a black and blue container, and he was like a football player. He's like, before I play football, I eat this yogurt, which is such a strange switch. So like, I remember when fucking like Gatorade came out with their protein bars that they were trying, which are just pure sugar. Like that's the craziest thing is somehow Gatorade is like thought to be healthy, but it is so terrible. Like it's just sugar on sugar, which I guess if you are just plain and like doing the thing, like replenishing that helps you get energy and burn and you're just burning it faster. But like, I think a lot of people started drinking Gatorade. thinking it was healthier. <laughs> it's not drink water. People be all about that water life. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, at, at the same time, self-appointed men advocated, uh, advocate, men's advocate, advocates complained that women were inordinarily fond of very, of the very types of, uh, different food being marketed to them. In the 1934, for example, uh, a male writer named, uh, Leon B. Motes, wrote an article in the House and Garden uh, scolding wives for serving their husband a bit of fluff-like marshmallow date whip. Uh, Save these dietaries for the lady. Oh, man, this dude was just throwing shade at marshmallow whip. He's like, you're making your man soft. You're making your man soft. That's why he won't get in the bed. I don't know why it's Sean Connery. (laughs) You're making your man soft. He won't, like, he won't be able to get hard if he's w- eating that marshmallow date whip. How is he supposed to get it up if he's just ingesting fluff? He, you'd need to fluff his balls, lady. Get in there. Jesus, Sean Connery. I'm not Sean Connery. I'm Moats. I'm B-Moats, baby. B-Moats is here to tell you you can't serve me these fucking marshmallow horse shit. Jesus, dude. Okay. Uh, Pleasing the taste of it. Uh, writers like Moats weren't the only ones endorsing these properties. Okay, in the 20th century, we saw a proliferation of cookbooks telling women to give up their favorite foods instead of focusing on pleasing and focus, uh, and instead focus on pleasing their boyfriends or husbands. The central thread running through these titles was that if women failed to satisfy their husband's appetite, their husbands would stray. Oh, yeah, this is like that. This is this where, like, the invention of, like, the fastest way to a man's heart is his stomach started is because, of, like, cookbooks were just, like, teaching women that they needed to, like, make sure their man was okay. That's fucking crazy to me. Like, I don't know. I always thought cooking was awesome. I love cooking. I like cooking. I, I don't. That's just fucking nuts. Like, it all started with advertising. Everything always fucking comes down to advertising, dude. It fucks with you so hard. Let's read on here. Let's go to another thing, uh, another paragraph here. Just as women were being told they needed to focus on their husband's taste buds over their own and being excellent cooks, uh, to boot, men were also saying that they didn't want their wives to be single-mindedly devoted to the kitchen. Wait, men were also saying they didn't want their... Okay, so that's good. Well, now we're stepping in the right direction. We don't... They don't want the women in the kitchen. That's good. That's a step in the right direction. Here we go. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. It's most important... Oh, wait, wait. Uh, wait, wait. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to find where the uh, where I was. Uh, it was all an almost... Imp- 
possible ideal and advertisers quickly capitalize on the insecurities created by the dual pressures of wives felt by pleasing their husbands without looking like they were work too hard for doing so. Oh, so burning the candle at both ends. Jesus Christ, man, this is this bum me out. That's shitty though. Okay, and then it says 1970 on uh the microwave. Well, we're talking about the microwave. Uh, what is it? The microwave encouraged alternate and traditional sit-down dinners to the women's uh, movement, uh, destroyed lady-centered lunch rations like Schaefer's, uh, and append the image of the happy housewife uh, pr preparing her uh, condensed soup. Uh, whoa, I don't even know. I must have missed something there. Anyway, yet food historians, uh, I don't want to try to say their names. Uh, Laura and Harvey, we'll just call them that. I don't know how to say that. Uh, if you want to read most of this, guys, I skipped a lot around to this, but like, you know, links are down below. Uh, this is kind of a fascinating read. Have noted, despite these social changes and depictions of male and female traits in advertising, has remained suspiciously. Uh, Surprisingly consistent, even as some new ingredients and food have been entered into the mix. Kale, quona, other healthy food fads are gender as female. Barbecue, bourbon, and adventurous food, on the other hand, are dominated by male. Um, wow. Even in the 21st century, echoes of cookbooks like The Way to a Man's Heart resound. A sign that it will take... A lot more work to get rid of the fiction of food. Yeah, that's weird. I've never, I guess, I, you know, it's just like weird things. I'd never have to think about that stuff, which is kind of, I don't know, n nice for me. But it is shitty that, like, there's just weird expectations that I'll put on a lot of people and a lot of different people. And that's why we need to, like, you know, kind of quit that shit, you know? We need to get B-Moats out of here. You can't get rid of B-Moats. I'm here, baby. My my work lives on. You just read it. Uh, no, shut up, B-Moats. You, you get in the kitchen, B-Moats. Speaking of getting in the kitchen, you should definitely get into punninggame.com. That's the opposite of getting in the kitchen, guys, because you're going to get out and you're going to have fun. Punninggame.com has everything you want. It's got this podcast. It's got Who Gives That. It's got Monster Jamboree and a ton of other stuff coming around here soon. And guys, if you really want to support the site, you enjoy what we do, you definitely want to go to the Punning Game shop where you can find hoodies, t-shirts, all that good stuff for all the different shows on the site. So much fun. Also, if you want to check out some old stuff me we used to do, don't forget to check out Fun Fun Gaming. I need to plug that more. We still have all the videos up. It's a good time. It's a funny. It's a good rompous, like, 10 minutes with me and my brother playing video games. Check that out. Also, guys, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Comic Wade Taylor. Just search that on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Check that out. You can find clips of stand-up there. You can find the clips for this podcast. Find Who Gives It F. You all know you want to check that out. So check out all that stuff. Also, don't forget to sign up for the daily newsletter. Go to the website. There is not a daily newsletter. I always want to say daily. It's not daily. It's monthly. There's a monthly newsletter with uh, info on what's going on with the site. Nice little... Uh, little package maybe a little treat for those who sign up each month so check that out guys this has been not worth the time thank you for listening and remember i'm b moats and you don't want to serve me any of that fluff